Hi and welcome to Nobody Asked Us, where two friends try to figure out the things that fascinate, annoy, and baffle us. So join me, Sanaz. And me, Rachel. As we delve into all the things that nobody asked us, but we really wanted to share. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to talk about billionaires, um, why they're like so front and center in the cultural zeitgeist nowadays. Um, And so we started talking about this amongst ourselves uh, a couple months back when it was announced that Jeff Bezos was giving Dolly Parton $100 million dollars to donate to charities under something called the, uh, what's it, uh, this Courage and Civility Award, which, LOL. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> lol. Can you uh, sense the cynicism <laughs> already? But, but this is under also the, like, context that, like, his ex-wife, Mackenzie Bezos, yeah. is now considered the most, the most prolific philanthropist in history after only two like two or three years after divorcing jeff uh she has pledged to give away most of her wealth and she has really shown up for it this idea of philanthropy among billionaires has become a very popular thing i think uh, bill gates warren buffett there's this like a lot of them have signed this thing called like the giving pledge yeah bezos was a a significant outlier. He was a holdout. And so, you know, and his ex-wife, I think in the most beautiful form of revenge, was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, like, he's criticized for being kind of a selfish money hoarding jerk. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to be the nicest person in the world, which I think is uh, kind of funny. But also the fact that he decided to do it like this, because Dolly Parton herself is well known for being a philanthropist on a much smaller scale. You know, she get donated money to the uh, company that developed the Moderna vaccine. And yeah. she's just well known for being a great person. It's like- Kids education, uh, like she's always like donating books and stuff. Yeah, but it's honestly so funny where it's like, he's like, I, I can't do this. Like you do it for me, Dolly, <laughs> which is so annoying. This, but, okay, so since I'm not on social media, I found out about this very late, as you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like texted you right away and I was like, can you believe this shit? Like this made me so angry. <laughs> like it touched a nerve yeah. beyond others because for me, it's like, either do the job or shut the fuck up. I feel like he's trying to compete with McKenzie in the laziest way possible. He's like outsourcing it to beloved philanthropists like Dolly Parton, <laughs> like trying to get credit for this. I'm like, you know what? I respected you more when you didn't sign the fucking pledge. <laughs> like now you're lazily trying to be on everybody's good side. Like, I don't know why, but it made me so pissed off. Oh, it because it's also, it's so petty. You know that he's doing so this petty. because she's doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love petty. But he's I not even petty. doing it properly. Like, he's being petty and lazy at the same time. And I yeah. know. Like, what happens to people? <laughs> they just, like... Have too like, much money. Yeah, well, nobody's telling him. Like, nobody advised him on this. He probably asked his new girlfriend. Like, she's you know, like, go I, for it. I love Dolly. Like, yes, Dolly's amazing. Everybody loves Dolly. Yeah. And of uh, course Dolly's happy because she's like, sweet. I've got <laughs> extra cash for all the stuff I care about. Like... I'm not yeah. saying he can give it back or anything, but he's just 
annoys me because you know it's not about helping Dolly's charities. <laughs> well, and it's also such a PR move because Dolly is so beloved, but it's like he could also give this to like a foundation which does this mm -hmm. professionally or even like give it to his ex-wife to, to donate around. But that's not the point, obviously. Like he's That would be obviously so funny if he's like, I'll give you another $100 million in our divorce <laughs> settlement. Which is like, but what, a percent to... or something? Yeah, no. Like, I mean, so she became one of the richest women in the world just by divorcing him. I think she got like something like 25% of his net oh, worth. Sure. It was yeah. billions and billions. It I mean, billions. it changes all the time, right? But geez. Yeah, based it's on the stock holdings. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it is It is wild. But I do think, like, I mean, philanthropy as revenge is such a uh, insane billionaire activity, right? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's also the way she's doing it. It's not just that she's giving tons and tons of money away. Like, she's just writing these checks. She doesn't want a thank you card. She doesn't want you to get in touch. It's just like, here's your money. Goodbye. I'm on to the next good cause, <laughs> which I think is so much more selfless in a way than someone that's trying to get the publicity or credit for what they're doing. Like she's just busy, like giving it all away. I think that's what's fascinating people too, is like her style. I mean, publicity or credit, but she also, she gives it with no strings attached. And I exactly. think that that's a huge issue with a lot of donations. Like a lot of people who donate money will say like, I want this used for like this project or this project. They'll want to like exert a lot of control. By the way, okay, so I wanted to bring up this idea of, like, is philanthropy a good thing? Is having, I mean, having billionaires, I like, this many billionaires. So as of uh, today, there's, or 2022, or 2023, sorry, what year are we in? I don't know. Yeah, 2023. Um, <laughs> 2023. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's January. Uh, yeah. There, there are 735- billionaires uh in the united states uh, in the world there's something like uh near seven thousand. uh mm -hmm. but the the biggest billionaires are in the united states during covid billionaires gained something like five trillion dollars in wealth there were so many new billionaires minted in and this is in adjusting for inflation uh in 1990 there were 66 billionaires in the world in 20 20, early 2020, pre-COVID, there were uh, like 600 something, I think 614. Um, after COVID, significantly mm -hmm. more, huge jump. That also tells us a lot too. But it's very interesting that uh, these people, are, we don't talk really, we didn't talk about billionaires like in the, in the, 90s or 2000s like there was like bill gates was like the guy warren buffett maybe but he doesn't have a huge public profile yeah. but now there's all these like it's almost like a robber baron era gilded age thing where there's all these people exercising through their wealth so much power and through altruism or like philanthropy or i was thinking of the idea of quote-unquote effective altruism which became popularized with sam bankman yeah. <laughs> now quite disgraced yeah. uh how that is a way for people who are that wealthy to justify their wealth you know right. and, and i think that 
so Mackenzie Bezos, I think, is a very interesting figure because she just came into that money. She didn't really have a choice, and she's trying to do the best she can with it. I also think that somebody like Warren Buffett is very interesting because although I, you know, he does a good deal of philanthropy, but he's always been the guy saying, just please tax me more. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like we have, I don't want to go on this like rant too much longer, but we have a demo. One of the big things about democracy, one of the reasons like we have a democratically elected government is for them to distribute resources and we get to choose that. And should it be, you know, should we rely on Mackenzie Bezos being a really nice person and like having a really good heart and also wanting to like, you know, give her ex-husband a bit of a kick by showing that <laughs> like, yeah, that's great. And she's doing it's arbitrary. Work. It's all arbitrary. And that, it's so that, arbitrary. that is the problem because it all sounds good and dandy when you agree with that person's motives, you know, their incentives, their beliefs, but Imagine your worst enemy having that amount of money and control, right? Oh. Like every system should be oh. should be set up assuming your arch nemesis is going to take advantage of it. And that's where a lot of people where they, mm. you know, talk about like Bill Gates is great and Warren Buffett's great. And I love what Mackenzie Bezos did. I'm like, okay, well, given that that's who you like, imagine if the Koch brothers had all that influence. Now you don't agree with it, right? So I think that is the problem is like the arbitrariness. Like why the fuck is Mark Zuckerberg making decisions about what public schools get funding? He has, yeah. why? Like we have institutions set up to determine this. And it's interesting because it reminds me of um, the guy Rutger Bregman, who like several uh -huh. years ago at Davos gave like a very polarizing speech where he was basically like, philanthropy is bullshit, just pay your taxes. <laughs> like if you pay yeah. your taxes, it goes to a central place where are, there are, organizations and mechanisms in place to determine where it should go much more efficiently than Mark Zuckerberg being like, no, let's help, uh, you know, Newark inner city schools or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So I think like that, and it really pissed off a lot of people because everyone in that audience was obviously not paying. Uh, yeah. But yeah. The, it, it's all good and dandy until the person that you don't like uses the system. And then you know, A, you don't agree with where they're putting the money and funds. And B, it's a further distraction, like you said, from them gaining the wealth. And the concept is called like the Escobar effect, because like Pablo Escobar, you know, was creating like homes and neighborhoods and stuff, right? And it was all a distraction to the fact that he had such a large cartel, because he was doing such good for the, you know, the masses that it was ignored. So but I think that's where we are. But okay, Pablo Escobar, to like give a background, I mean, basically had so much money in an area that was like quite poor. Yes. And so he could effectively serve as like a governor in a way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that he, I'm like fascinated by Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Did you know that he offered the president of Colombia at the time that his name escapes me, he offered to pay off the national debt in exchange for never being extradited to the US. <laughs> I mean, that's the real definition of fuck you money. <laughs> I mean, I've I've always had like, it's always puzzled me the idea of like, people who really want power or like to accumulate power at any cost. And I think like accumulating wealth is a form of that. Yeah. 
too. Uh, and you can see like where it's like so blatant like that, the case of Pablo Escobar. It's like, I'm going to just buy the government. Oh my God, it's so crazy. That's so crazy. I mean, so I think about this also today because there's so many billionaires that are cultural figures. Um, one example yeah. is my favorite. Your fave. Sarcastic. Elon Musk. Um, and Rachel loves Elon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, just he, uh, his stupid child's names. Jesus. Oh, my God. They're like password. So, They're like the passwords that are suggested to you. You're like, no, yeah, thanks. I'm just going to yeah. use my mom's maiden name. We're good. It's like the Apple suggested passwords. It's yeah. so. Or yeah. when you go to like an Airbnb and like they haven't changed their Wi-Fi password. It's like the weird code. You're like, fuck, I got to put in these 15 yeah. letters of number combinations. It's like Those yeah. are his children's names. He names his kid after like the Wi-Fi password that comes with a router. Exactly. Um. <laughs> But so people give him a lot of credit and like what people argue like for like the benefits he's not a philanthropist, but what he notably like, yeah. I can't think of any and we haven't looked this up really, but I can't think of any like big philanthropic uh, initiatives he's had. But people say, oh, well, you know, he's improving the environment. He's making like the world better by like Starlink, like, yeah, Whatever. electric cars and Starlink and 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 space travel. And I'm just like, okay, so electric cars and space travel were done by the United States government in the 1950s, like a long time ago. Like this is not he's not inventing this stuff. No, he's and, just a disruptor. He's just forcing the hands of companies and governments to. I guess go faster, I, but it's not like new innovation. Like he didn't create that hyperlink that I was so excited for. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, it's not new technology. No, it it took 80 plus years to build three stops on the Second Avenue subway. We've talked yeah. about this before. This is a thing yeah. of mine. Um, but like, yeah, he thinks that like we're going to go from New York to DC in like 30 minutes. Bullshit. Bullshit. Right. I've lived like, I've lived in this country long enough. Um, but I do think that, like, it's very interesting, this, like, moment we're in where we applaud, we, we, mainstream culture mm -hmm. applauds people who are willing to do something that's so outside the norm. So it's, you know, something that's, like, not just a tweak on what everybody else is doing or, like, just not, like, a different version of what somebody else is doing. Like, he's like, I'm going to take a, you know, big risk. And I think that that's, I think it's more of an indictment on the uh, risk averseness of modern corporate culture or like also like how hamstrung the government is because since Reagan, uh, we've been in this kind of uh, mindset that people like the government is inefficient and lazy and bloated would actually like. I don't know. I, I have a lot of friends. I went to grad school that is basically a training school for people who work in civil service and government. Uh, and they are very smart people and very motivated. And, you know, I they have from time to time complained about like efficiency because there are certain things about government you can't get around. Right. But in the same way, is that better than like just leaving it up to the whims of a person or a company because yeah. they also have negative incentives too. Like they have to deliver for their shareholders. Right. Uh, I don't know. What Do you have, 
Do you have big thoughts on this, Sanaz? I mean, I I do like when an outside force kind of shakes things up, you know, and forces mm-hmm. you to be like, oh, I gotta I gotta get my shit together, you know, like right. we right. have to be more efficient, we have to be faster. Um, but you look at like even just the electric car space, like so many other companies have electric vehicles that they're right. building now, right? So it's not like brand new stuff, but I do like when something forces us to think differently or move faster. Um, yeah, but I also I, think it's important to have like structures in place to be able to decide like, what are we gonna move forward with, right? Like something that helps mm. a lot of people and that's good for the world or just something that's really good for this one company and their shareholders, right? So I think sometimes innovation mm-hmm. can be too focused on narrow pursuits. Um, so yeah, I'm a little like- bit of two minds. Okay, so this is a personal bugaboo of mine, but uh, people, you know, electric cars, definitely an improvement on, you know, gas-fueled vehicles. But in my mind, what we really need is public transit infrastructure. Like electric cars, they still generate emissions uh, through, you know, the electricity needed to charge them up. And it's just because of the way most of the U.S. is set up, which... I think quite unfortunate. I, although, I also just yeah. feel like the, the whims of billionaires is sometimes the things that we get excited about and invest in. Like I give two, no fucks about the space wars. I am <laughs> so annoyed. We're spending any time trying to leave earth. It is like a midlife crisis, but with higher stakes for men. It's like, Oh yes. The sports car wasn't enough. Now I have to get on a fucking rocket ship. Like, <laughs> It bothers me so much. Oh my God. Like, Bezo- and stop Bezos- trying to leave Earth. You're going to sit here in the mess that you've helped create like all the rest of us. You don't get to run away. You don't get to create your own colony. Like, no, thank you. And I'm like, why are we even spending time thinking about it? Why are we putting money into this? Like, what are we doing? I'm not even saying like, feed the poor. I'm <laughs> just saying, just I'm- don't waste money on this stupid, like extracurricular crap that a couple billionaire men care about. No okay, women's try to get to space. Have you noticed this? Well, of course. No, of course not, because it sounds fucking terrible. Stupid. It's it sounds stupid. terrible. Also, okay, Bezos's rocket looked exactly like a cock and balls, like kind of like Dr. Evil's. So dumb. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I know. Uh, Austin Powers is like becoming so true, except millionaire is now billionaire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, that is, okay. So I wanted to pin the idea of of like feeding the poor because, by the way, Elon Musk did tell the UN, like, I will solve hunger in the world. And Great, so they just it. give me a number. I'll donate it. And they gave yeah. him a number and he didn't donate it. Which, <laughs> it's like. And is he going to wire transfer this from Mars? Like, what's yeah. your point, Elon? Like, yeah, yeah. so annoying. They literally gave him a number. Like, they were like, it'll take like. Yeah. Eight yeah. billion dollars, which you definitely had because you spent or something like that. Seventeen. Yeah. I don't. It Wait, was I'll get back to you. It was something less than what he like used to buy Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Did they send him that reminder on Venmo? Like, hi, you haven't heard <laughs> me yet. <laughs> Just oh, wanted to remind you. Oh, Still there. Oh, that would be such a great move. <laughs> but I just—it's all these dumb activities. Like, stop buying islands. Stop trying to go to another planet. It's just like, stop. <laughs> stopping ridiculous yeah and i think so you like wonder like the space thing is actually particularly interesting in this sense of like the level of power these people feel they're like i can leave earth 
Like I yeah. can, like that's wild when you. Think I get about to it. shit like, on this planet and leave it all behind. I can like, leave that's it. What bothers me? Yeah. So I think some of the things around that that prevent, I, I think, just in the culture that prevent mm-hmm. us from actually recognizing what's going on are these like constant attempts to I I think philanthropy might be a net negative I'm not saying Mackenzie or Dolly are bad people I think they're trying to do the best with what they have right uh you know I think they'd probably I can't speak for them but like given how their attitude towards giving away money they'd probably agree with Warren Buffett's like just tax me more (laughs) please Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but I, I I do like the way that it's continually justified by things like, uh, I don't know if you remember, but Sam Bankman-Fried, the mm-hmm. recently disgraced uh, founder of FTX, which- Total hot mess. Oh my God, such a hot mess. I can't believe he got Larry David to do one of his commercials. Like the most <laughs> no bullshit guy. I know. Like, was like, and sure, why not? Bullshit. <laughs> So, ah, oh, that was that was the saddest thing to me. <laughs> but like, so there was this whole idea around his philosophy of giving, which is called effective altruism. So it's like we make money to give money. I'm giving my wealth away, which is mm-hmm. when you think about it, not all that different from what you know. I don't know the Gates Foundation is doing, or like Mackenzie Bezos, or any of anybody who does a lot for philanthropy and. I was thinking about it in terms of because I do live in New York and there are so many institutions that were founded by what I would say is the prior incarnation of the set of wealthy people we have today, which was like the Gilded Age and mm-hmm. like the Vanderbilts, the the Whitney's, Carnegie's. Uh, the, Rock, the Carnegie's, the Rockefellers. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of cultural institutions that are exist because they founded them. So we have the Met, one of the greatest museums in the world. And all of these things, I mean, they were created as a way of like through- Carnegie University, Vanderbilt University, like it's crazy. But through like a kind of a dick swinging contest between these people. So it's like, how do you show that you're the most, like how do you like show your clout in society? It's through giving and like endowing. And to what extent do you think it's like, a shield like it's like I want to do this to like show how good of a person I am or are you scared I don't know how would how would you think about it if you were a billionaire I mean Rachel it's so much easier to look like a hero by donating a hundred million than to pay taxes on a billion right like right Mm -hmm. a lot of it is just you want to control what happens with the money and you want credit for it and you want your agenda to be promoted so Again, if they were, you know, willing to just say, you know what, I'm going to pay my accordingly pay the taxes on this. And I know it'll go to the causes that is deemed important by the government, these committees. Great. But they don't do that. Right. They're like, I want to pick and choose where it goes. And I remember in business school, a couple people did an internship at the Gates Foundation. Uh And every year, I don't think they do this anymore. But at the time, every year they got a meal with Bill Gates. Um, So that all the interns got to meet him at the end of the summer. And I knew Mm. someone that went to had one of those internships. And I was like, you know, what was it like? What are your reflections? She said, basically, if Bill Gates were an evil human, the world would be fucked. And I think that's really important because if this person 
if, if somebody else, instead of this person had all that wealth, instead of making mosquito nets for the poor, they could be using it for much more nefarious means, right? And I always think about that. If Bill Gates was evil, we'd all be fucked. We just shouldn't have a system like that. Like that makes no sense that that's so precarious. I agree on that, but also like there are a lot of people with a lot of money that have kind of fucked our world, like the Koch brothers. And you know, I mean like the influence. But but that's my point for every Bill Gates you applaud, you have to be willing for a Koch brother to fuck with it. Do you get what I'm saying? You can't have it both ways. You can't just say it's okay for when it, when it is a Bill Gates or Warren Buffett type, but not the rest. Like it's the same system. It's just different players benefiting. Right. It's essentially like, some level of like autocracy yeah. because these people can do whatever they want with their money. And it's like, right. that's, that's, we don't want to be ruled over by these people, but they do influence if, if they are allowed this kind of power, they do influence mm-hmm. our lives. And I, that's so funny. Cause also I, like you're talking about your friends working for the Gates foundation. I have worked for exactly one nonprofit <laughs> before, and I have similar feelings about nonprofits. Like I'm like, great it's good you can trust them like to like not have like shareholder related motives and like right. to stick with their mission uh but at the same time most of them spend a lot of their time begging for money from wealthy people right right and it's like, going to be biased it's going to be biased and those wealthy people want to be on boards and they want to have influence and you are still beholden to that. Rachel, what kind of billionaire would you be? Oh God, I don't know. Cause you think about this and you're just like, I have never had a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I realized that it would be more than enough money for like my entire family and like five generations to like be fine on. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, who actually needs that much money? So I don't actually like, getting behind the psychology of that much wealth is a little bit astounding. Yeah. Uh, that said, I'd like to think I'd be like a Mackenzie or like, maybe I'd like, you know, in my like most high minded self, I'm like, Oh, I would lobby the government for tax reform to tax me more. That's what yeah. I do. If I was the best version of myself, if yeah. I, it like, what would I actually spend my money on? I would, uh, Oh, I would create train systems. Like Ooh. I would, I would endow that. I would endow or, public transit yeah. or at least like, like viable buses. And I would make sure that like, first of all, I'd redo the MTA. Like I'd give them so much money and be like, you got to make these trains run on time. Like let's make these stations yeah. clean. I'd handy, I'd, I'd hire back Andy Byford, uh, who is the <laughs> head of the London tube who like totally redid their system. Yes. Okay. Public transit. That's what I do. That's yours. Number one. <laughs> And then also I would, um, I don't know, I'd probably be just like really fabulous too. I mean, I could afford it. Like you don't need that much money to be like fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. My walk-in closet would be out of this world. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, do you have a vision? My vision, I don't know if this is so much me being a billionaire or billionaire or like first lady kind of goals, but um, I would love to set up a... I'll call it a civics program for every person graduating high school in the US. So I would if you're choosing to go to university, I would force you to take a gap year. And then if you're not, I would use this as a training program. And basically, I would make every kid in America 
spend a year in another country working on some civics projects. So you're building a bridge in India, you're building wells in South Africa, whatever. And I, my goal is, A, it lets kids kind of mature before they go into the real world. B, if they don't think they're going to go to college, which many kids, that's a whole other subject, but many kids shouldn't go to four-year college. It mm-hmm. can teach them certain skills or, you know, give them sort of like apprenticeship skills to understand, like, do I want to be a civics engineer? Do I want to build things? You know, like mm-hmm. help them understand what avenues there are. Um, and see, I think it just creates less wars when we spend time with people in other countries and get to know other people. So that's what I would do. <laughs> okay. I, I, I love that. And I, I especially am on board with like the idea that like people should have a little bit of real world experience. I think yeah. that the way we do yeah. college in the U S I mean, gap years are like the norm in the UK and cause a lot of people don't know what they want to do. And then they're just like being yeah. pushed through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and exposure to other cultural influences. But how would you make people do this? Oh, I don't know. This is where I throw my weight around. With yeah. my money. <laughs> this is where I bribe all the politicians. This I'm is kidding. where you lobby. Yeah. This is the lobby. I mean, I think it's I think it's a Peace Corps mission almost, but I want it to be much more targeted around that age group and supplementing um you know, paid colleges with sort of like free training and apprenticeships. So like, I think what I'm really trying to create is an option for people that don't know what they want to do, don't want to pay for college or don't have the money for it to have Mm. other avenues of like, you know, skill development. For me, it's more about the core of it is to force service on everyone. And I don't Mm. think the military should be the only way you get that experience, but force or entice, like strongly entice service. Yes. Make it, make it something that like, it's a hard proposition to turn down. Exactly. Exactly. Like something where kids of every socioeconomic level see some benefit to doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Yeah. Make it, make it cool. For the rich kids, I'll just guarantee you an internship at like the New York Times or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. like you think about people trying to get into fashion or like all the like, you know, coveted but not paying internships and things. Like maybe that's oh. your foray there. Whereas a kid learns to be a plumber for free. I don't know. It's like Endow, every Endow those internships for people who have done this service program. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You automatically get a spot if you do this. Yeah. That's that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I'm into that. They don't need the money coming out of it, but they need the access and those connections, right? Like they need yeah. that, that unpaid internship like like nobody's business. All right. So I need so. you to make like many, many billions of dollars. So yeah. This. <laughs> Get the youth into shape, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do think I, I like the idea of like a, 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 an appealing service organization. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you're like, you can't force anyone. <laughs> like, well, you can. You can. It's not a dictator. Strongly suggest. Yeah. yeah. So I'm now the dictator. That's what I did yeah. with my billions. Yeah. <laughs> I no, but it's funny it. when you it's funny when you talk about money like that. Like that's the way you start to think. Like that's the way like people yeah, think. Exactly. Yeah, it's like even in my imaginary world, I'm like, of course the congressman will cave to me. <laughs> <laughs> because I Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I so. mean it's not that far off from the truth. So exactly. Um, All right. Well, why don't we wrap this up? Um cool. Rachel, what would be your recommendation for this week? Okay, so this is something that's pretty accessible, I think, for people that are in a more private sector context. But I think that this uh, person talks about just the psychology of 
wealth in a really good way. So this is going to be Scott Galloway. Mm -hmm. uh, he does a few podcasts. There's one called Prof G and there's one called uh, Pivot that he does with Kara Swisher, a tech journalist. And he also has a blog called No Mercy, No Malice. Um, but I'll recommend an article he wrote in The Atlantic called America's False Idols. And this is, I think, in August 2022. And he just like runs through like how we got to this space where there's so many, in particular, like tech billionaires, because I think, you know, that's yeah. our, that's the, that's the cohort of our age. Uh, and he's a big advocate for like uh, government institutions and like taxation. He always talks about the fact that he went to UCLA and that's like a state funded school and like how that's good for society. So he has this thread running through a lot of the things that he writes, but I thought that that article in particular so America's False Idols uh, was was very good in terms of like how it just gave a basic summary of how we got to where we are and like what we think about these people and how we should uh, try to fix the situation we're in. Yeah. What about you? Uh, my suggestion is a 30 for 30 ESPN documentary called The Two Escobars. Um, and it's about the lives of Pablo Escobar, obviously one of the most <laughs> famous drug yes. lords of our time. Um, and Andreas Escobar, who was a Colombian uh, soccer player at the time who actually got killed. He, you know, messed up a goal in like a game and, you know, crime ensued. Um, I found this documentary super interesting because it really showed the parallel lives. Like at first you think like, how could these two people have anything in common? Um, but Pablo Escobar was at his height around the time that, um, Andreas Escobar was playing soccer okay. and it showed how throughout that generation of men's childhood, um, because Pablo Escobar was making so many investments in the poor with like housing and everything, he always created like a soccer pitch in all these new neighborhoods that he set up. And so, so many of the great players that were on the Colombian team at that time had grown up playing on the pitches that Pablo Escobar had basically mm -hmm. funded. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, got to a point where like Pablo was a big fan of soccer and he would just command all the players to come to his mm -hmm. compound and basically play games for him. <laughs> like, yeah. imagine like oh, the video God. game come to life, right? And like, that was just the pool that he had. And so it was just a it's lot like about a gladiator like, thing. It's like, it's like it's being crazy. like, come fight for me. <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah. Like, and yeah. so just, just the fact that like, you know, the government overlooked a lot of things because he was also doing so good, you know, and he's so popular with a lot of the people as well because of these programs that he had. So going back to that concept of the Pablo Escobar effect, right. It's like we turn a blind eye when you do all these good things. Um, and I'm just eternally fascinated by, him as a billionaire. Uh, my favorite stat about his crazy drug operation was at the mm. height of his wealth, um, his cartel was spending $2,500 a month. This is US dollars, $2,500 a month on rubber bands that were needed to hold the stacks of bills together of all the uh -huh. money they had in cash, which just think of how cheap rubber bands are. Just think of how a month of rubber bands, <laughs> like $2,500 worth of rubber bands for the rest of your life. And that's what they needed every month. Like Ugh. the scale is absolutely insane. Like it, it's he, absolutely insane. So he, anyway, it's just, you know, he was a drug Lord, but really, really fascinating stats. And the film is really well done. Okay. That's a great rec. You know what I love about, I'm sorry. I kept like, I was like, you know what I love about the rubber bands thing is because mm -hmm. like 
we, we don't live in as much of a cash economy anymore. Uh, right. Maybe in the drug world or the like, whatever, underground economy, mm-hmm. uh, it, it it's more prevalent. But that's just so visual and fascinating. Right? You can just yeah. see, right? Yeah. 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 I that's cool. That. Yeah, that's cool. I'll have to check it out because I haven't seen it either. So. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thanks. Amazing. Everybody. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed our our, our chat about uh, rich people. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and we'll our plans back. when we become billionaires. <laughs> oh, our yes. Well, if enough of you guys listen, one of us is turning into a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll like be able to be benevolent. Um, We're not going to. Yeah. Be Nobody's Gaddafi here. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we all think that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right thank you guys for joining us and we'll see you next time all right thanks everyone bye 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 bye